It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here with Adam Kersenblatt, and we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We're at the end of a pretty great 2022-2023 WHL season, and playoffs will be starting this Friday. So we're going to change things up a little bit from our regular format. We will take you through a couple of headlines, then go through all eight series, and Adam is set to give you his predictions and highlight a player to watch from each team in all eight of the series and then of course we will wrap up as always with the uh, Connor Bedard report how you doing Adam what's going on with you this week um you know busy as always uh, you got some the NHL playoff uh, uh picture is starting to come into frame and then of course we have the WHL uh playoffs about to start on Friday we're recording this on uh, Wednesday night so that's exciting to watch all of these NHL draft prospects um about to put on a show hopefully in the uh, next coming weeks. And uh, we'll just kind of see what uh, happens in these WHL pro- uh, playoffs because I feel like it's not going to be as straightforward as we think it will be at the end. <laughs> That's why I'm leaving the predicting to you, my friend. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to let you put your neck on the line and I'll sit back and watch uh, in- with interest and see how close you really come. Because, uh, yeah, like you say, I think there's going to be a lot more uh, – upset and upheaval there always seems to be unexpected injuries and other things that will take us down paths that we can't even begin to see 48 hours out from uh, from the first game of this postseason uh let's dive into our headlines now uh we've got some uh cool regular season numbers including scoring averages and stuff to take us through yes so let's uh look at the uh, 748 game whl season uh, by the numbers here. So to start off, we had 2,784 goals were scored by Eastern teams and 2,416 goals scored by Western teams, which is 5,200 uh, total across the WHL, which is 3.48 per, per game. Now, the Western team scored on average 3.55 goals per game, while the Eastern team was a little bit lower at 3.41 Per game, uh, even though they got boosted by those Connor Bedard uh, stats. And uh, just a quick reminder, there are 10 teams in the West and 12 teams in the East, which ev- which is why even though the Eastern number is uh, higher, the Western average is higher between the two leagues. And we kind of see this because a lot of the players who were scoring big points or big goals in the East were actually traded over to the West this year. Um, there was a lot more fluidity with the Western conference and we can even compare that back to last year where, you know, we've seen, we saw a little bit of a upgrade in more goals uh, scored and more points uh, produced um, over last season compared to this year. Um, Yeah. I thought, 
it was interesting compared to last year that uh, most of the scoring increase has come on the West side. Like you say, a lot more uh, top scoring talent is in the West right now as we head into playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see if that still plays out. But that being said, um, the best defensive team in the WHL this year was also Seattle, who scored a ton of goals, but uh, also with that tandem of uh, Thomas Millich and Scott Rasloff, they kept the net, the puck out of the net more than anybody else, only allowing 155 goals in 68 games. So their goals against average was only 2.28 per game when the average was 3.55 across the league or across the uh, Western Conference. That's such an incredibly low number. And uh, Saskatoon uh, came in second at 2.51. So it's uh, it's a pretty big discrepancy, but not quite the same size as uh, what we're seeing in uh, in the NHL, where Boston is ahead of the field at 2.11 goals against per game, and Carolina is second best at 2.57. Um, now, what's the the makeup of the playoffs this year? Teams that are in and who's out. So we did see a little bit of um, uh, transitioning teams this year, which is always good. You don't want in the WHL, the same teams making it every year. You like to see it. So four of the six teams that missed the playoffs last season qualified this year. Those are Tri-City, Regina, Calgary, and Medicine Hat. So the teams that were in the playoffs last year that missed out are Spokane, Edmonton, who we remember went to the Memorial Cup last year, Prince Albert, and Brandon. So like we said, a little bit of parity in the league. We It's always great to see multiple teams that missed the playoffs the previous year making it in because it gives us an opportunity to watch these prospects and these players in the WHL who, you know, at the most have five years to play. Yeah. And that's sort of the cycle of junior hockey as well, right? That um, once teams get star players who are in that 18, 19, 20 range, then they're ready to make a run, whether that's players they've developed themselves or the ones that they go out and inquire for 10 draft pick packages at the trade deadline. And then once they've given up all their draft picks, they drop back down. It's almost like sort of auto relegation that kind of sends them back to the bottom of the standings and then they have to start working their way back up again. So it's, I like the way that works in junior hockey. I think it's cool. Um, as far as we know, there's no broadcast television for these early rounds of the uh, of the playoffs. Last year on TSN, they just had the finals for the three CHL leagues for the Dub, the OHL, and the Q. So it'll be probably a while before we get to see any junior hockey on TV. And uh, the WHL held its draft lottery uh, this week as well. Yeah, so very exciting if you're a fan of the Prince Albert Raiders, who we just uh, mentioned are not participating in the playoffs uh, this year, but they have the first overall pick, which is was Edmonton's, and they got in that in a trade last year. They have their second pick, which was the draft lottery win, and they also have the seventh pick, which they got from uh, Kelowna. So tons of opportunity for Prince Albert to rebuild their team with three of the top seven uh, picks. I know just based off of talking to people that there is a lot of excitement about this draft. It's not as exciting as the 2005 draft, the one that we're seeing go into the NHL draft this year, but there is a lot of depth players, a lot of high scoring players and a lot of players who are available, who are 14, 15, who are playing in U 17 and U 18 leagues. So it, if you're a Prince Albert Raider fan, that's something to look forward to, even though you missed the playoffs this year. 
Uh, yeah, just to clarify, um, Prince Albert was sitting at six and moved up to two with the draft with the draft lottery win, and that number seven pick that was originally from Kelowna belonged to Seattle, and they traded it to Prince Albert as part of the deal to bring in Nolan Allen. So uh, that's part of that uh, championship caliber team loading up thing that we were just talking about. All right, let's get into our playoff reviews. We got eight series, sixteen players to watch, and eight predictions. So we will start in the West. Uh, with uh, that dominant Seattle Thunderbirds team versus the eight-seeded Kelowna Rockets. Yeah, so Seattle versus Kelowna. Seattle won that season series 4-0 uh, this year. Um, and the player we're going to watch from Seattle is Jeremy Hansel. So in four games against Kelowna, the defenseman had a goal and an assist. Uh, he'll be relied upon to shut down Kelowna's top players in Andrew Crystal, uh, Gabriel Stutz, and uh, Carson Golder. Undrafted 2003-born defenseman isn't known for his offense, but he did record 13 goals and 48 points in 66 games. He also led the entire WHL with a plus-minus of 70. So he's a player that's going to log big minutes, especially on the penalty kill for Seattle during the series. And if you're a Thunderbirds fan, hopefully all the way up to the WHL final. Yeah, and just to give some perspective on how crazy that plus 70 number is, you might not think it's a big deal because Seattle scored a lot of goals and kept a lot of goals out of the net. But the uh, second best plus minus on that team is Kevin Korchinski, who was a top 10 pick by uh, Chicago in the draft last year. He's at plus 50, which is nothing to sneeze at, but that's a huge difference from plus 50 to plus 70. So uh, uh, good going, Jeremy Hansel, on uh, being on the right side of the puck most of the time. Uh, who's our player to watch from Kelowna? So we're going to go another defenseman in Caden Price here. So in four games against Seattle, he finished with two assists. A projected second round pick uh, in this year's draft. He could help his draft position with a strong showing against the Thunderbirds. And just like Hansel, he's going to be relied upon to shut down the Thunderbirds' best high-powered offense. That includes Brad Lambert, Dylan Gunther, Colton Dock, Jared Davison, just to name a few. And he's also going to be expected to chip in uh, with some offense. You know, he did have 40 points in 65 games. So this is a massive opportunity for uh, Price, who, like I said, is a top prospect. He was at the top prospect game to really solidify himself and show the NHL scouts who, scouts who are going to be watching Seattle uh, that he can be that second round worthy of that second round pick. Yeah, and like you said, um, in a draft class that's really heavy on forward and heavy on scoring talent, Price was one of the more sort of high-profile defensemen that was at the top prospects game. And if anything, you would think that um, you know his development has probably been assisted by having to play against such good offensive players so much throughout his career to date. So uh, for sure, it's going to be a, a tough task, though, with Seattle and, uh, and the expectations they have for their team. So uh, what's your prediction for this one, Adam? So I really like how Kelowna plays, but Seattle is just a powerhouse. Let, let's be realistic here. Um, I'd love to see him go five games, but I really don't see it going past four, unfortunately, for the uh, and Seattle moving on to the second round. Uh, so we start things off, boom, top seed sweep. Sorry, Kelowna, thanks for playing. Thanks for all that time that you spent uh, pushing for that final playoff spot. Uh, you know, so I will... Uh, Hope for the best for the underdog, but also not be surprised if you're right. And really uh, look forward to seeing if a player like Andrew Crystal can kind of, you know, jump out and make up for the time that he lost during his injury this year as well for uh, for Kelowna. Uh, second series from the West, we've got the number two seed Kamloops Blazers uh, facing off against the number seven Vancouver Giants. 
Yeah, so Kamloops uh, won this season series 6-1-0-1 this year. And we're going to start off with the player to watch for Kamloops being Connor Levis. So in eight games against Vancouver, he had three goals, five assists, and eight points. Uh, Projected, you know, later round pick around that fourth round in the upcoming draft. Levis will be relied upon to provide depth scoring for a very strong Kamloops Blazers team. I finished the season with 27 goals and 67 points in 66 games. Uh, He is a Vancouver native, and he'll be looking to make uh, an impact against his hometown team um, with most of the tension on players like Logan Stankoven, Matthew Seminoff, and Fraser Minton. Uh, Levis could be a player that really takes advantage against, you know, those weaker matchups, those third line or third defensive pair uh, matchups in this series and throughout the playoffs. Um, yeah, Levis is a player who, even though he's a little bit under the radar by Kamloops Blazers standards, he did play at the top prospects game. And uh, an advantage that he has is his October 5th birthday. So he's one of the oldest players in the uh, in the upcoming draft. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a stamp he can uh, can leave on the, on the series amongst um, a team that's not always easy to stand out amongst all those stars. Now, what about on the Vancouver side? Who are you watching over there? So we're on the Vancouver side. I'm looking at Ty Halliburta. So in eight games against Kamloops this year, he had two goals and an assist for three points. Um, He's uh, another prospect projected to go in the later rounds. And Halliburta is going to play a key role for the Giants in the playoffs. This will actually be his first opportunity to play in the playoffs as he was injured last year and missed out on that uh, Everett, uh, series and the and the Kamloops series last year. So 21 goals and 37 points in 66 games this year. Uh, he'll need to be key, he'll need to keep firing the puck on net and continuing his uh, strong two way uh, play against the powerhouse uh, Kamloops Blazers. And I know just from talking to Ty a couple weeks ago, he's uh, he is ridiculously pumped up for this because as I mentioned, he missed a lot of last season and the playoffs last year. So sitting on the sitting in the uh, um, in the stands watching your team pull off the most historic upset usually gets you a little bit fired up for uh, next season. <laughs> That's great to hear. Um, and in, the Giants have been kind of a team in transition this year. So Halliburta did finish fifth in scoring on his team. And uh, even though he's draft eligible, he is one of the younger players in this draft class. He's still 17 years old. Um, his birthday is on April 22nd. So I'm sure he would like nothing better than to still be playing hockey when he turns 18 in three weeks or so. What's your prediction for this one? So, uh, you know, I got burned by the Giants last year. Uh, I think we all did. Um, But I see this situation as Kamloops in five games. But I will throw this out there just quickly. Kamloops is hosting the Memorial Cup. So I do wonder how, uh, what would be the, how heavy and how, um, how, how they're going to play over the playoffs, knowing that they have this Memorial Cup bid coming up. So this is a very interesting um, situation for the Vancouver Giants where I, I, it's, it's the Kamloops Blazers, so if they if they are putting in 100% effort, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But, you know, how much is going through their mind like, yeah, let's, let's play, but let's make sure that we don't get hurt. Let's make sure that we're doing all the right things because we know we're going to be playing in May. Yeah, there could be some subconscious um, taking their foot off the gas a little bit just with that sort of reinsurance, reassurance not necessarily going all out. Um, so... We'll see whether or not that uh, spells an upset opportunity for uh, for the Giants. Uh, cool that we've got playoff hockey in Vancouver in one form coming up in the next few weeks anyways. So uh, I'm happy about that. 
Uh, now we'll turn to our third matchup in the West, which is the number three Portland Winterhawks versus the number six Everett Silvertips in an all-U.S. matchup. So, yes, Portland versus Everett. Portland did win the series 6-1-1 one, and one this year. Um, our player to watch is James Steffen. So in seven games against Everett, he had two goals and nine assists for 11 points. Uh, Laguna Beach, California native. Don't hear that often in the WHL or in hockey. But he uh, didn't have as strong of a regular season last year uh, or this year as last year as he only had 64 points in 64 games. But he's still a threat uh, when he has the puck in the offensive zone. Uh, and if Portland wants to win the series, the power play is going to be so key for them. And that's where Stefan really thrives. He had 11 goals and 23 assists with the extra man this season. So he really has the skill and potential to have a massive series for uh, the Winterhawks. And that is definitely a name to watch. Um, regardless of how he did in the regular season, because it just feels like he's on the verge of breaking out, especially with the power play. Yeah, and, and Stefan has NHL bloodlines too. His dad is the uh, former num first overall pick from 1999, Patrick Stefan, the uh, player who went bef before the Sedins in that uh, in that draft. Um, he played. He only played 455 NHL games, mostly for the team that drafted him in Atlanta. So that's how he landed up in uh, Southern California. By the time James came along and was born in Laguna Beach, um, James has gone through two drafts without being selected. So there's there's a lot on the line for him in this series. Uh, turning over now to Everett, what do we got there? So we have Aiden Sutter uh, of the Everett Silvertip. So in six games against Portland, he had three assists. Uh, the Kamloops native who will be playing in his final WHL postseason has become Everett's number one defenseman since they traded away Olin Zellweger earlier this year. 38 points in 62 games, but is more known for his strong play in the defensive zone. Uh, he does play in all situations, though. He does play on the power play, but really at uh, shorthanded and uh, even strength, he's expected to be among the leaders in ice time across the WHL in the first round. And a little bit of interesting uh, notes here, even though he does share the Sutter name, which is a very popular WHL uh, name, he has no relation to the Sutter family that we could find. As far as we know, although who knows, there's, it feels like the center bloodlines would suddenly be uh, popping out everywhere. So what's your prediction for this series? So this is a very interesting one because I've gone back and forth on it. This is really a toss-up, but I think Portland's going to take it in six. But both of these teams haven't been playing the best heading into the playoffs. So if this could be one of those series that Everett 100% wins in six or seven games. But I just think that... Portland, with all the success that they've had with the coaching, with the players, I think that they pull out this uh, win in the first round. Okay, so we've got three series and three favorites so far. You're really sticking your neck out here um, and uh, adding an extra game for as cl the closer and closer we get to the seedings and the brackets as well. So let's finish up the West with uh, the closest matchup on paper, which is number four Prince George Cougars versus the fifth-seeded Tri-City Americans. So a very interesting theory here in Prince George versus Tri-City. So Tri-City won the season series 3-1, to one, but the two teams haven't played since December 10th, where Tri-City won 4-3. to three. Uh, This is also a, um, a matchup of teams that haven't won playoff series in a very long time. Prince George hasn't won a playoff series since the 06-07 season, when they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And Tri-City hasn't won since the 17-18 season, where they also went all the way to the Western Conference Finals. So not a lot of experience on these rosters and these in these organizations for the playoffs. So Prince George player to watch will be 
uh, Andre uh, Becker, uh, in four games against Tri-City, had a goal and three assists for four points. The Czechia native had a strong first year in the WHL with 38 points in 63 games, and he started heating up at the right time, so he has seven points in his last 10 games. Tri-City is a big, strong, defensively sound team, so his contributions may be the difference between advancing or getting sent home early. Everyone knows how strong Prince George is, but with less uh, power plays being out, given out in the playoffs, players who thrive at even strength, like Becker, will be uh, considered difference makers. Um, yeah, Becker's a, an undrafted 19-year-old. He did get into one game for the silver medal winning checks at World Juniors, and he scored in that game. So that's a nice sign that he uh, knows how to bring it when he gets the opportunities. So uh, interesting to see what, what Becker will have in store for us. Now, who have you got as your player to watch over on the Tri-City side? So we're going to go with a goaltender here in Thomas Sukanik. Uh, in four games against Prince George, he had a 3-1 and record with a 900 save percentage and a 350 goals against average. Uh, Prince George has been one of the best offensive teams all season, ranking fourth across the WHL with 290 goals. While Tri-City has shown they have no issue putting the puck into the opposition's net, uh, they can't get into a track meet with the Cougars, which is why Sukanik plays uh, is so crucial to their success. He's been one of the best goaltenders across the WHL with a 9-12 save percentage and could face upwards of 35 shots per night with the firepower uh, Prince George Cougars in town. Uh, he was also named um, to the U.S. second all-star team uh, recently. So even though this is going to be a series where the forwards and defense play a huge role, Thomas Sukanik is going to decide who wins this series. Uh, no question about it. Um, yeah, and of course, Sukanik is another guy who showed that he's got some uh, some big game mojo um, at uh, the last two World Juniors, and he was a, a crucial part of that uh, silver medal win for the Czechs um, and getting Team Canada to overtime in the gold medal game. So uh, he definitely has uh, um, has skill, can step up in big situations, and is still undrafted. So uh, talk about incentive to make sure that he uh, puts on a good show for uh, for, for playoffs. So uh, what's your prediction for Prince George versus Tri-City? Well, we have our first upset here. I'm going with Tri-City in seven. Uh, Tri I, just, I just have that feeling that Tri-City, they're just built for the playoffs. You know, whenever we talk about playoffs, it's it seems to be you need to be big, you need to be strong, you need to be physical, and Tri-City is one of the most physical and big teams in the – uh, Western Conference. So I just feel like their their playoff style is just going to beat Prince George's skill. Um, well, I, there's a lot of players on Prince George that I really like. So part of me hopes that you're wrong, but I also think Sukanik is, uh, is the bomb. So um, emotionally, I'm pretty torn on this series. So I'll probably just uh, default to my usual, I'm happy whoever wins. Um, anyways, let's move on to the East. Uh, we've got another dominant powerhouse in the top seed in the Winnipeg Ice, and they will be facing off against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Yeah, so Winnipeg won this season series 3-1, to one, and our Ice player to watch is Owen uh, Peterson. So in four games against Medicine Hat, he had three assists. In his final WHL season, Peterson exploded with 32 goals and 74 points in 65 games. Also had a massive playoff for Winnipeg last year with nine goals and 20 points in 14 games. At six foot three, 203 pounds, could have a significant impact against a younger and smaller Medicine Hat Tigers team, who is also pretty inexperienced uh, in the playoffs. 
Yeah, we've talked about how medicine or uh, how Winnipeg's key players um, are mostly draft eligible. Um, Owen Peterson's a, a fifth year WHL or so he's uh, he's been around the block. But uh, talking about the draft eligible guys, let's touch on Zach Benson, who missed a bunch of time at the end of the season with injury. Do we know anything about whether or not he's going to be back in for game one? Um, there has been no formal announcement yet on Zach Benson's uh, return. And because the WHL does not produce injury reports during the playoffs, it's more of a we'll see once the lineups are released for the game. But he did not play in the final games of the regular season. Okay. And the good news is that Winnipeg is playing the very first game of the playoffs. They'll be kicking things off on Friday at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time against Medicine Hat. So we should get some clarity on Benson's status at that time. Uh, who's your Medicine Hat player to watch? So we're going to go with Caden uh, Lindstrom. In four games against Winnipeg, he had one goal and two assists. Lindstrom has been impressive during his rookie season with 19 goals and 42 points in 61 games. Also played at the U-17, posting four points in six games. Uh, he also scored the playoff clinching goal for Medicine Hat in their final game against Swift Current. He's been getting better and better as the season has progressed and will need to be counted upon to get on the score sheet every game if the Tigers are going to pull off an upset. Um, yeah, and uh, Lindstrom should make himself noticed because even though he just turned 17 in February, he's already listed at 6'4 and 204 pounds. So he's bringing like a older WHL player body to uh, to this matchup and uh, the Tigers, as you say, are really going to need that. So uh, what's your prediction? Winnipeg and four. Uh, I just <laughs> Winnipeg is just uh, like it like Seattle. They're just a powerhouse and they're playing a medicine hat team who's on the rise. Uh, I will be interested to see how Gavin McKenna does against Winnipeg, though, if he does get into the lineup. Um, yeah, for sure. That's the uh, the 15-year-old that we'll be watching for years to come until his draft time comes around. All right, next matchup. Uh, number two is the Red Deer Rebels, and they'll be facing off with their Alberta rivals, the Calgary Hitmen. So Red Deer won this series 6-1-1 one, and one, uh, this season, and our player to watch from the Red Deer Rebels is Kaylin Lind. So brother of Cole Lind, in six games against Calgary, he had two goals and six assists for eight points. He also missed uh, just under two months recently with an injury. Um, but it looks like he's returned to his annoying self and is ready for the playoffs. Uh, he, while his 44 points in 43 games is impressive, his commitment to playing a physical brand of hockey and getting underneath his opponent's skin is what makes him most successful. With Calgary boasting a young and inexperienced playoff lineup as they missed the playoffs last year, Lynn's style of play could help draw penalties and get the hitmen off their game which would mean advantage to the Red Bulls in the series. Um, yeah, and Lind really made a big impact literally at the top prospects game um, by getting in a fight with Alex Ferran from Sudbury at the beginning of the third period when the uh, top prospects game was still tied 1-1. That gave his team a real boost and they ended up winning that game 3-1. So if that's the kind of emotional impact that he can make for his team, then that uh, is a real boost for Red Deer in this series where they're already favored to start with. So who do you think uh, could make a difference for Calgary? Well, we're going to go with their goaltender, Braden Peters, here. So in six games against Red Deer, he went 2-1-2 and two with a 9.08 save percentage and a goals against of 3.18. So Peters is an undrafted goaltender who's playing uh, who's played this year, helped Calgary clinch their playoff spot. He finished the year, uh, the season, with a 9.09 save percentage as well as a 2.84 goals against. But more importantly, he's taken points off of Red Deer in five of six matchups this season. So he's kept... 
the Calgary Hitmen in games against Red Deer. Um, and as we know, a Hawk goaltender can flip a series on his head. So uh, do not be surprised if in his final WHL playoff series, he puts on a show. Um, yeah, Calgary has largely flown under the radar this year. So that's really interesting that um, that Peters has been able to have a relatively successful season uh, against the Rebels. Um, so what do you think? What's your what's your prediction for this one? So I've gone a little bit back and forth on this because I do think Red Deer is going to win but I don't know to what extent. So I'm going to say uh, Red Deer in five here because I just feel like Calgary has enough to win one game. It, it just feels like even though Red Deer is clearly the better team, that Calgary is going to do enough just to get one win. And I hope that game, that win comes in either game three or four at home. And that's exactly what I was thinking. If you can get a home ice win for your fans, it uh, it really boosts the whole just happy to be here element that uh, sort of comes along with being a lower seeded team in the playoffs. All right, matchup number seven. We've got uh, the number three Saskatoon Blades in the East going up against Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats. Yeah, so let's start off. Uh, Saskatoon won the series uh, 4-2 in the season this year. And we'll look at Tanner Mullendyke as the Saskatoon player to watch. So in six games, he had two goals and three assists for five points. Um, and a strong postseason for Mullendyke could be the difference between being a first-rounder or a second-rounder. Uh, the defender will have his hands full trying to keep Bedard off the score sheet and projects to be the matchup man against uh, the projected first overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, he also should be able to provide some offense as he finished the season with 37 points and 141 shots on goal in 67 games. This, seats, uh, this series features a lot of top-end scoring talent, but could come down to how well a player like Mullendyke can shut down uh, the opposition of the Regina Pats. Yeah, and interesting to note as well that Mullendyke was also on that Team White at the Top Prospects game that did manage to shut, up, shut down Bedard and keep him uh, frustrated and pointless in that game. So uh, he's got a little bit of experience in playing that role, as well as, as, as you mentioned, uh, Saskatoon having... Uh, a good run in the season series with their strong defensive game against uh, against the Pats. Um, Mullendyke was also a part of Canada's gold medal winning team at the Helenka Gretzky Cup last summer, and that um, squad also included players we've already talked about, like Caden Price and Kalen Lind. And the next player that we're going to talk about as our player to watch from Regina. So we'll talk a little bit about Tanner Howe here. So in six games, he had uh, two goals and five assists for seven points uh, against the Saskatoon Blades. Um, with most of the, of the attention drawn to Bedard, this is a perfect opportunity for how to show he can lead a team, which he'll have to do next year with Bedard projected to make the jump to the NHL right away. Uh, he had 36 goals and 85 points in 67 games this year and has developed into an intriguing prospect for the 2024 draft. He also comes into playoffs on a six-game point streak, which includes scoring in each of the last two meetings with Saskatoon. A gifted, offensively talented player, uh, he'll have to bury his chances uh, whenever the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, it's really important for Regina to get balanced scoring and get more scoring than just from Bedard if they're going to be able to get through this series. Um, Howe was also on that Helenka Gretzky Cup team, as we mentioned, and he was the youngest player at uh, U18s in Germany for Team Canada last April. Um, as you mentioned, he has a November 2005 birthday, so he still is one more year away from being draft eligible, not until 2024. Um, so what's your prediction for this series? Is, is, uh, is Bedard going to make it to round two? Uh, unfortunately, I do not see Bedard making it to round two. Saskatoon has just had his number all year. Um, I feel like they have. 
I, the point totals are a little bit um, deceiving, but overall Saskatoon has played him well. So I see this as Saskatoon in six because I just feel like Bedard on his own is going to win a couple games. Like he, he he's so talented that he'll squeak out at least two wins in the in the first round. Um, we'll talk more, of course, about Bedard uh, a little bit later on. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I sort of am with you on this one. I'm worried that this is not uh, probably the worst possible matchup that uh, that Regina could have gotten on the east side. So uh, it's, uh, it is what it is, as Todd Bertuzzi would wisely say. Um, let's wrap up. So once again, we've got three favorites going through in the east. We've got one more matchup. And that's number four, Moose Jaw Warriors against the number five, Lethbridge Hurricanes. So Lethbridge won this season series three to one this year. And the player from, uh, we'll start off with Moose Jaw, but the player that we'll look at is Atlay uh, Calvert. So in four games against Lethbridge, he had six goals, three assists and nine points. A second generation Moose Jaw warrior as his dad played for the franchise uh, during two seasons. So in 1989 to 1991, unlike his dad, who was a goaltender, he plays forward. Um, and this will be an interesting situation because with the suspensions that we know were handed out to Moose Jaw, uh, Calvert has been one of the players that has really stepped up, and he has 12 points in his last 10 games. He also finished with a new career high of 73 points in 67 games. So the draft-eligible 19-year-old um, is going to really have to step up. He's no more of a playmaker, but he did also score 40 goals this year, um, which was actually the total amount of points he had last season. He was also the Warriors' uh, unsung hero this year, and he's going to be looked upon to provide offense in what's going to be a really tough series against Lethbridge that allowed the six fewest goals across the league this year. Do we have any update on the uh, on the suspensions? They talked about the players being ineligible for the remaining games of the regular season, but also had some other conditions they had to clear before they could get back into the lineup potentially for playoffs. Yeah, so we have not received any updates so far from the WHL on whether these players will be available for the playoffs. And um, I believe we'll find out kind of on the game day or very close to a game day whether or not these players are eligible. But as of right now, we're assuming that the players who were suspended from Moose Jaw will not be playing in the playoffs. Okay, um, good to know. Now let's uh, go to your Lethbridge player to watch. Yeah, so we'll look at Blake Swetlikoff. Uh, in three games against Moose Jaw, he had three goals and two assists and five points. He was actually traded midseason from Spokane to Lethbridge. And he's been a really nice fit with 10 goals and 24 points in 30 games. He's been centering Lethbridge's top line and will have a big task going toe-to-toe -to -toe with guys like Jaeger, Furkis, and Brendan Jaeger and the rest of the high-flying Moose Jaw Warriors. An undrafted 19-year-old with one more year of WHL eligibility, his play in the postseason could determine whether or not he returns to Lethbridge as an overager, um, as the Hurricanes do currently have six players eligible for the three overager spots next year. And it doesn't even have to be Lethbridge. You know, a strong season could open the opportunity for another team to sign him as an overager next year. Um, so looking at this matchup, I noticed that uh, Lethbridge is the second lowest scoring team to qualify for the playoffs. The only playoff team that scored fewer goals than the Hurricanes is the Vancouver Giants. But um, Lethbridge has gotten good goaltending this year from both Howard Menigan and uh, Brian Thompson. So with uh, Moose Jaw slightly favored in the matchup, four versus five, what's your prediction on this one? I just think that there's too much going around um, surrounding Moose Jaw at the moment that I think Lethbridge is going to take this one in seven. It's it's one of these situations that we haven't seen in, in a, I don't, 
I don't even remember if we've ever seen it where four players have been suspended and we don't know if they're going to be eligible to return in the playoffs or not. So I just think that overall it's, it's working in against Moose Shaw. And I think Lethbridge is going to take advantage of that. Uh, so you're taking Lethbridge in seven. So you've got the upset and the four or five seed on this side as well. So that's uh, it's very symmetrical. I like the tidiness of it all. It will make it very easy to keep track as we see what's going on. And uh, like I said, I appreciate you putting your neck on the line and making these predictions because I'm way too scared to do that. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's dig into our final Connor Bedard update of regular season numbers. And I'm still going to hope that we'll get to talk about him for many weeks to come in the playoffs. So, yes, our final Connor Bedard update, uh, most likely for the regular season. Um, we set the bar last week at eight points because we wanted to see him hit 150. And unfortunately, he had a slow week scoring only one goal. We did talk about this last week, how there was nothing to play for. So, that was a possibility that in, he didn't, he wouldn't have gone at a hundred percent or had the best week that we've ever seen. And I, I think that Regina kind of limited him a little bit to rest him for the playoffs. Um, but yeah, he was uh, in one of those games. It was Saskatoon that he played and he was held off of the score sheet. So that's an interesting little wrinkle to uh, put in there. But as for his uh, season against Saskatoon, He's had five goals, four assists, and nine points in five games, but he's also been shut out or kept off the score sheet twice by Saskatoon. So this is a very interesting uh, dynamic to watch uh, going into the series. And when we're looking at how Bedard did over the year, 71 goals, 72 assists, and 143 points in 57 games. So 2.51 points per game, which uh, if you add that out to 68 games, that's 170 points. Um, that's so, as we know, he didn't play the whole season because of the world juniors, uh, but pretty impressive. Uh, he also led the WHO by 36 points and led the entire CHO by three points. So the only player that was close was, uh, Jordan Dumas in Halifax, who finished with 140 points in 64 games while Bedard 143 and 57 games. And Dume is 19 years old and has already been drafted in the third round by Columbus. So the only guy who even came close to keeping pace with uh, with Bedard is an older player who has already been drafted and who played seven more games than Bedard did. So all things considered, I'd say Connor's had a pretty special year. Um, I don't know. Did you see uh, the the uh, post on social media that uh, he and his teammates have also been getting their looks on point for round one. And he uh, went out and got a uh, Patrick Kane inspired mullet ahead of game one. I love seeing that. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the mullet power works because as we remember from the top prospects, Zach Benson also has the mullet going. So we'll see if uh, mullet power really uh, can power these teams deep into the playoffs. Um, and with that number, with 143 points, where does that stock up in terms of uh, other draft-eligible players from the past, from the WHL and from the whole CHL? So when we're looking at just the WHL, that's the third most points in WHL history by an undrafted player at the uh, U18. So we're not talking about players who have been passed over in the draft. These are draft first-year draft-eligible players. So... In first, we have Rob Brown, who had 173 points for the Kamloops Blazers in 1985-86 before being drafted by Pittsburgh, 67th overall in 1986. 
And second, we have Ken uh, Yaram uh, Chuck. Yaram Chuck. <laughs> sorry, my mistake. Uh, had 157 points for the Portland Winterhawks in 1981-82 before being selected seventh overall by Chicago in 1982. Um, those don't hold anything, though, to the CHL record, which is Pat LaFontaine, who, before being drafted in 1983, had 234 points in the 1982-83 season with the Verdun Juniors. And that's just mind-boggling that a player could have 234 points in one season who isn't drafted. Like, wouldn't, I, I don't know, wouldn't it, it feels like it would get boring after a while scoring all of those points. <laughs> oh, the 80s were not a time when anybody was bored of scoring points. This was when uh, the bar was just being raised, raised, raised by Gretzky and his compatriots. So, uh, yeah, very, very special from Pat LaFontaine. And he landed in the NHL with a lot of hype behind him. Um, also just wanted to mention uh, how Bedard compares to some other number one picks out of the CHL. We talked about how he easily beat the 120 points that uh, Connor McDavid put up in 2015. Sidney Cross. Crosby had 168 in 62 games in his draft year. And Eric Lindros had 149 in 57 games with Oshawa in his draft year in 1991. So those numbers are actually, I, I think if you put Bedard and Lindros side by side, not really super comparable in terms of their playing styles, but uh, interesting that their numbers come out so close. Um, so we'll be able to uh, continue to keep an eye on that and see how his playoff uh, numbers end up landing. Um, and for sure, we will have at least a couple more Bedard updates for you of on-ice stuff. The uh, Regina... Saskatoon playoff series will only be three, two games by the time we record next Tuesday on April 4th. So uh, we'll be able to update you then and uh, give you another update the week after on uh, how that first round series ends up shaking out. And of course, we'll also keep you up to date on all the other playoff series as they get rolling. It should be a lot of fun to see which players surprise us and uh, who really takes another step up this spring. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. It, as mentioned, games start Friday, uh, available on CHL TV if you want to watch um stay tuned pay attention uh really appreciate you tuning in for this episode um and if you haven't done so already please make sure that you subscribe to the hockey news on the dub on your favorite podcast platform and uh have a great week enjoy the playoffs and we'll talk to you again soon